0: A light tree, everyone, pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Meredith. Hello. Hello. Thank you for doing this in the in the midst of our ongoing pandemic.
1: Oh, certainly. Uh, as if there was uh, anything I would rather be doing at a time when I'm still afraid to go outdoors.
0: I know you were very generous. You were volunteering to come over which I appreciate um but I was like I cannot do that to you I can't ask you to walk an hour and a half (laughs) to come over (laughs) to record in person so uh Meredith is just using the internal microphone of her laptop so if we have any audio issues that's why and everybody just needs to fucking deal okay seriously I'm doing the best I can Literally, no one's ever complained. The people who listen to this show are so sweet and supportive, and I open every show berating them and threatening them if they give me any negative feedback. <laughs> That's just who I am as a person, to give you a little bit of insight. Um, don't even think of questioning me or critiquing me in any way, or I will lose my goddamn mind. Uh, so, uh, Meredith, um, you and I both gave each other tasks that we asked the other to complete before we recorded today's episode. And I just want everybody to know up top, we both failed.
1: So uh, that is how it's going to be.
0: That's just, it's how it's going to be. Okay. It's going to be one failure after another, and you're all just going to have to deal. I told Meredith to finish the German sci-fi series dark, which you failed.
1: Uh, Yes, I did. I got halfway through and then uh, realized that I couldn't handle binging through the second half as fast as I needed to because
0: so much is happening and it's so... It's a lot. Yeah,
1: it really is.
0: It's a lot and it's not light. I'll just tell everybody that right now. It's very heavy. I fully understand why you, especially given everything that's happening in the world right now, why you did not uh, feel you could binge watch a very complicated, heavy German (laughs) sci-fi series. And then you gave me an, an assignment to watch Blood Quantum and I failed because I had a writer's meeting last night that went very late and I was very sleepy afterwards and I was like, I can't watch anything right now, but I could watch it tonight. I still
1: think you should watch it. And I, I, I believe, you know, everyone should, should watch it. I talked to a friend who she's a professional film critic and she was much harsher on it than I thought the movie deserved. But I also give her a pass because she was all fancy and saw it at the midnight festival at the, at Toronto And felt like it did not live up to the hype. And I think if you are stuck in a COVID pandemic uh, state of needing a zombie movie, you should definitely check it out. Because it's zombies and anti-colonialism by a bunch of Canadian First Nations
0: filmmakers. Oh my God, is Rosie playing with a toy right now? Yes, she
1: just uh, <laughs> grabbed a squeaky pig. I will take it away from her. <laughs> no,
0: oh my God, I am the history's greatest villain if you take away Rosie's toy. Although, if she's going to be squeaking it a lot, maybe. Maybe I have to be a villain. Guys, she's if sure. you're not following Rosie on Instagram, I I can't help you. You just have to go follow Rosie on Instagram.
1: You do. At Rose Bark. As if you were typing out rosa Luxemburg, but make it a pun and
0: you do absolutely have to take the toy from her i'm sorry rosie i'm sorry honey um but yeah guys go follow rosie she's the cutest dog you'll ever see do you like do you like corgis if you don't like corgis i need you to stop listening to my fucking show okay i've had enough of you people um Sort of on a similar note, have you heard of this? Uh, Charles plugged uh, this for one of his recommendations when he was on the show last week. Have you seen the horror movie uh, host? The
1: uh, the Zoom meeting. The Zoom meeting one. Yes, I watched it the other day.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. So Charles basically bullied me into watching it. He's a big bully. Everybody thinks he's so sweet and he's so nice. He's not. He sent me the file and was like, "You better fucking watch this." And I was like, "Okay, I will." So I watched it and didn't really take into consideration that I had to do several very long Zoom meetings the next day uh into the night and I was very scared the whole time. Like it actually did get into my head and I know it's gimmicky and it's very like now, uh, you know, as, as Meredith said, it's a horror movie. That's basically a long zoom call between friends who who are doing like an online seance and, but it's really well done. Like the execution is really, really good. And there's a couple spooky moments that did scare me.
1: Yes, I completely agree. I thought it was excellent. And, uh, I have watched most of the let's have a movie take place over people hanging out over their computers, movies,
0: Mm, unfriended, unfriended
1: and unfriended dark web.
0: Yes. I never got to see it. I'm going to write it down. I need to watch unfriended dark web. Uh, There's at least
1: another one that I've seen, but it it goes to show how memorable it was. But I felt like host was, you know, used the format well and the, uh, the, the, pandemic anxiety set things up. It, something about the fact that they actually acknowledge that everyone's stuck indoors and had yes. experiences before they get into the seance stuff.
0: Well, uh, without giving anything away, it, it loads the end so much more because like watching characters like frantically put on their mask to run outside, it, it felt way more heightened than like a usual horror movie. <laughs>
1: yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so I, I also was way more freaked out than I should have been having watched it in the middle of the day. But
0: well, it's so like, I'm just so conditioned now to look at a zoom screen that when the movie started, I was like, did I just open zoom? And then I was like, Oh, no, that's (laughs) the whole premise of the movie, Allison. Uh, And I do admire any film that just sort of accepts going into its creation that this will be dated in like five minutes. Yeah. You know, like, anybody watching this movie five years from now is going to be like, look at this janky-ass technology. <laughs> it's going to be like, yeah.
1: Allison, as if we're going to have movies and movie watching <laughs> in five years.
0: I can't stop being an optimist. I'm always saying five <laughs> years from now. Like, five years from now, is going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I know. I need to get with the fucking program. Um, before we go any further, I want to shout out... My newest Patreon uh, Patreon supporters, uh, Madeline and Charlotte and Jamie A. Thank you guys so much for signing up to support the show. There is a new bonus episode up there. Part two of my special internet conspiracy series with Charles, where we're unpacking our favorite internet conspiracies. Meredith, what is your favorite internet conspiracy?
1: Ooh, Uh, I mean, I'm such a old time, like classics kind of person. I love, I'm, I'm an original Pizzagate. I will.
0: Wow. That's what, see, now we have, we set a rule for ourselves or maybe like a standard for ourselves where we were like, let's try to keep it light. Like, let's not get into like birtherism or Pizzagate or anything like that. You know, like,
1: then it's definitely Avril Lavigne is dead. And was replaced yes. here. That's uh, one that's our
0: all time favorites. Uh, one of the first <laughs> ones we did, Avril Lavigne is dead and either has a twin or has been cloned is one of the internets, just like Mwah, best internet conspiracy theories.
1: Oh, 100%. I, I love it. Um, yeah. I mean, also the Pizzagate thing, it's mostly just the idea that they're like, the super network of highly connected pedophiles that is completely and utterly not the real life.
0: Yeah. Well, what is so fascinating about that shit is it's not like we don't have a real world example. We're actually going to talk about this in a second. Uh, but Jeffrey Epstein, like we have a real world example of very powerful people, predominantly men, um, using their status and their privilege and their power to prey on girls. Like we have an actual example, real world example of this, but like, That's not good enough. Like Internet conspiracy theorists had to be like, no, no, no. There's a pizza parlor. And in the basement, they have a sex dungeon for children. And Hillary Clinton's there. And it's like, what are you talking about? Like, we actually have a real example. Be mad at Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton actually did terrible things with Jeffrey Epstein.
1: Yeah. Oh, I did think of another one that I really love that's somewhat of a, it's online rumor slash conspiracy, but it makes my heart sing so much, which is uh, Chris Evans, a.k.a. Captain America, is uh, has a sex dungeon.
0: Okay, but is it a conspiracy theory or
1: is it real life? I mean, I cannot confirm. I just know that it is a thing that floats around on the internet and we saw what happened with
0: Army Hammer. I know, but again, it's like... Mm, I don't even know if these rise to the level of conspiracy theory. Cause I'm like, I just think this is real. Well, doesn't
1: that mean that we are buying into it because there's something deep that speaks to us. No, when
0: I believe things, it's just true. It's no longer a internet conspiracy theory. Like as soon as I say that is true, it's true. So I forgot to mention that's also a rule. So I believe Chris Evans has a sex dungeon. Therefore that is reality.
1: Excellent. Then uh, all that remains is for one of us to get invited.
0: Okay. I keep telling you I'm fucking working on it. Okay. It got more complicated (laughs) because of the pandemic, but I am on it. I'm on the case. It's my, in the list of my top five things to do. Okay. Um, And always, you know, you as well, if you're ever at a sex party and army hammer rolls in, you have to text your girl,
1: Yes. And I have told you, I've sworn the blood oath. It's going to happen. Don't worry.
0: Hey, thank you. Cause I will actually, there's not much that could end our friendship, but that definitely would be one of them. If you were like, Oh, BT dubs, I was at a sex party last night and Army hammy rolled in and it got crazy. I forgot to text you. I think I would just physically attack you.
1: Oh, I would Definitely expect to walk out of that with several broken bones and <laughs> no hair.
0: <laughs> no hair. I plucked Meredith bald. I was so mad. <laughs> she was really mad if I pluck every hair from your head. Um, I, I so would I <laughs> you, you would deserve it. Uh, so I know I actually wasn't disappointed that you're not totally caught up with dark because I wanted to talk about it in the abstract so that we don't spoil the series for anyone because I know people are just now catching up because in case you don't know the the background of dark, the first season went up on Netflix and then there was like a two year hiatus and then another season. And then I think another hiatus and then the final season. So there was like these huge gaps in between the seasons So it's had a very weird journey with, with its audience where people are like binge watching right now to, to sort of catch up. That was my experience. I watched season one and then I was like, Oh my God, they made another season of this show. Okay. Um, but I just wanted to sort of talk about it broadly. Um, what are your, what are your feelings about dark? Would you recommend it?
1: Oh, I would absolutely recommend it, very, very highly. Uh, when I saw, I had no idea what I was getting into when I watched it right after the first season came out. So I'm definitely a old school original fan. Yes, I do wear that with pride. Uh, I was, I didn't know, I wasn't ready. Uh, I thought it was just going to be another like. I actually thought it was going to be vaguely broad churchy because like little kid disappears. And then yeah, so. suddenly there are these slowly within the first few episodes, you start to get a sense that, Oh wait, this, there's time travel. Wait, what? And then everything goes fucking bonkers.
0: So, yeah. And that's the thing. Like you think that's the hook where it's like, okay, so it's a time traveling show. And then like there's more twists after that, that I won't get into cause I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but it, it's not just that, but even if it was just that, I think the way the story is structured is so impressive. I think it's one of the most ambitious television shows ever created. I think it's gorgeous and exhausting. Like there were definitely times where I was like, Oh man, like it it, it starts to feel like a slog because it's so hyper complicated and then there'll be some reveal or some turn and I'm a thousand percent back in again. Um, It's just, it's masterful storytelling and it feels like something that could only, only, only have come from Germany.
1: Yeah, Uh, oh, this was one of the first series that came out of Netflix making partner, like doing partnerships with studios in other countries. Right. So that's part of why I think like the production values are great the acting is good it's very moody uh it's
0: so it's- moody like nobody nobody tells a fucking joke on dark like that there are these opportunities just because this is my how my brain works where i'm like oh this character could have been really funny but he's not because it's a german show <laughs> <laughs> and i'm pretty sure german people don't know how to tell a joke <laughs>
1: Or if they do, they just save it for very special occasions that...
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Let me take it back. There is one series-long gag that they really commit to, which is there's a police officer who, at the very start of season one, has an eye injury. And I guess this is a little bit of a spoiler, but it's just, like, a funny throwaway gag. They never tell you what happened to him. And there's, like... a series of moments where you think he's going to tell you what happened and they never do. And some like something always happens to distract from his explanation. That is as close as they get to a joke.
1: Yeah. Uh, But what I, I feel like what I really enjoyed about it is that it just commits so fully to being utterly incomprehensible, but actually does try and do the work of setting up something that sits underneath all of the holy shit. My mind is blown. It's not. Uh, I think a show like this could run the risk of like low rent Christopher Nolan. Yes. A.K.A. Christopher Nolan. And-
0: <laughs> I will not have Christopher Nolan slander on this show. Uh, do I? Do I recognize he is? He is so overhyped and so overplayed. Yes. Do I love his films? Uh huh.
1: hello. But you know what I mean. That
0: this yes, is, 100%. It's
1: a show that, like, ultimately, if you did it with less care, you would get a series of twists at the last minute that tie together, sort of, that...
0: And you then to- you watch it a second time, and you're like, wait a second.
1: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So this
0: is this is like a solidly structured written show to the point where I was just laughing my ass off afterwards because I found all of these very complicated charts on like Reddit attempting to follow the multiple storylines and time periods going on throughout the series. And it is, I mean, it's like beautiful visually just to look at how complicated it is.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I, one thing I will say, this is sort of setting up, the 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 multiple timelines all are thirty three years apart. And every time you think you have a handle on how the hell these things connect, something happens to make it more confusing. And it, it's it's a masterful, very odd thing. Also, it's so horny. It's ridiculous.
0: It's so horny. And I love how the 33 window period allowed them to skip right over the war. Yes. Where they were just like, no, something else happened. And now we're past it. And now we're past it. And we don't have (laughs) to talk about it. Everybody knows what we did. Everybody knows. Back the fuck off. But they never get into it. Yeah,
1: it is. It is notable that somehow nobody, you don't see anyone actually being a Nazi. You just have to kind of. Theoretic which there character is, probably was
0: a Nazi. Yeah. And and the period, like I think it's the twenties, the stylizing of the police officers is very cuspy. Yes. Where yes. It, it definitely has a Nazi look to it. But yeah, again, they never get into it at all. Uh which is v- very funny and conspicuous and um very German. Uh so also I, I really want to recommend and this is shocking for me and my journey as a as a music lover I love Taylor Swift's new album oh it's fantastic it's so good you guys check out folklore listen to it it's It's experimental in a way that's really interesting. It's incredibly self-aware. She literally in the album is like, I know I try hard and I annoy people. Like she really is like, I know what people think of me and I'm sorry, but that's who I am as a person, (laughs) Um, (laughs) which I thought was very endearing because I've always said that about Taylor Swift. Like, man, she just, she really can't help herself. She is a try hard. Like nothing about her seems effortless. Everything seems very calculated. And this is an album where I feel like she's she's grown enough where she's like, yeah, I know that's true about me and it's just who I am and I'm not gonna change. And I was like, you know what, respect.
1: Yeah, and I I appreciated that it just was well crafted. I mean, was I prepared for her to make an album with the uh, the dude from The National and Bon Iver? Nope. No. No, nope I was not. not. Does it sound I, exactly like that? Yes, it does. And I don't mind.
0: I really like it. And maybe, maybe I like it because she is now approaching my musical tastes. Like I tried to go back and cause I enjoyed folklore so much. I was like, let me go listen to the red album. And, uh, what was the other one? 1980,
1: 89. Yeah. 19,
0: yeah. Is that it? Um,
1: yeah. It's the year she was born.
0: Oh my God. That is fucking depressing. Um, But (laughs) I, you know, it was a little too uh, still uh, cuspy for me with the country world um, and a little too mainstream pop for my tastes. So I like where she's heading now. um, And I think people are giving the national dude way too much credit in terms of crafting the tone of the album i think this is like where taylor wants to go and they joined her on the journey um but hands down my favorite track is the one with bonnie verre which again people freaked out because he sounds very different on it as well his voice well, is like real deep all of a sudden which i kind of wonder like who did you not know
1: that that was his voice i mean maybe this is yeah. Just- thing like knowing that he's set up this little mini empire of music and art in uh in the upper midwest sort of like in eau claire and the woods uh that i'm just familiar with it but yeah i i thought okay yeah this would work
0: (laughs) yeah i had heard him sing live before so i was like i knew he could have a very deep voice like that so I was not shook like some people I think some people's only exposure to him had been the call me by your name soundtrack oh yeah where he's like very falsetto the whole time so they were like who the fuck is this on this track and everybody was like it's Bonnie (laughs) Vare. it's like yeah he can also do that but I love that track I think it's so good (laughs) (laughs) Um, so before we get into bad news do you have any other recommendations
1: um Do I have other recommendations? Uh, If you have not joined the ranks of people who have visited for the first time or revisited uh, one of the Star Treks, Mm -hmm. I think you should get on that as soon as possible. Because I have been doing it since the pandemic started with a group of friends, and it has become one of the most wonderful uh, appointments of my week. Uh, just going generation and it's just every single episode is rated TV PG for sex and fear.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. Tag yourself, you guys. (laughs) And I think that it's also,
1: but it's so gently horny (laughs) and terrifying. And uh, who doesn't need a little bit more Patrick Stewart in their life?
0: That's the name of this episode, Sex and Fear. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I, you know what? I acknowledge that Star Trek is just a gaping hole in my pop culture knowledge, and I probably need to watch it because like every dope person I know loves it, you know, Um, but yeah, it, it was just something that I missed as a kid.
1: Yeah, I did not miss it. I was uh, introduced to Next Generation and Deep Space Nine by uh, my best friend, who was a massive Trek fan uh, by the time he moved from Florida to Wisconsin when I was 10. And we, so my formative years were absolutely chock full of Star Trek. And it's been nice to revisit and bask in that space uh, at a time when there's really very little basking to be done.
0: Love it, everybody watch Star Trek. And on that note, you guys, we gotta get into it, I'm sorry. Let's all hold hands and cry. Here's your bad news. So first in bad news. Oh, yeah, I guess we got to talk about I have so many stories about soup brain and him just being like a fucking idiot and saying shit like we should delay the election I'm gonna cancel TikTok. Like I don't know if these are empty threats or the the rantings of a man who is mentally unraveling, as all fascists do at the end of their <laughs> their reign. <laughs> you know they get more and more paranoid. Uh, Their little circle of sycophants gets smaller and smaller around them because they're so fucking paranoid. And then they become like delusional and paranoid and start ranting, um, you know, from the balcony. So, yeah, I guess Trump came out this week and said that we should delay the presidential election. People got very, very upset about it, understandably so even though a lot of conservatives came out right away and they were like, he can't fucking do this." (laughs) Only Congress could delay the election. Yeah. But at this point too, anytime someone's like, he can't do blank. I'm sort of like, let's not tempt fate again, shall we? Because I feel like we've said that a bunch about Trump and here we fucking are.
1: Uh, Yeah. And the, the more scary or the scarier thing to me than him talking about delaying the election is the way that he and his surrogates have been uh, railing so much on vote uh, by mail, and yes. uh, simultaneously fucking the post office.
0: Well, so- that's the thing. Like a lot of people, I I don't think have been following the rights assault on the uh, postal service. Um, as long as we have, just because like when, when I was a journalist, I, that was actually one of the things I covered, um, and like interviewed people who worked at the post office about like the, the budget cuts and all of that stuff. But the, but the post office is one of those things that we really, really take for granted just because it is uh, a pillar of the United States. It's just like baked into, it's literally, it's in our constitution And I think people are like, so we can't go anywhere. And it's like, no, it absolutely can because what the right has been doing for decades is hacking away at the USPS's budget and they've managed to hang on. But this thing is not inevitable. Like it can go away.
1: And one of the things that's scariest about what they're doing right now isn't just the budget cuts. It's that the asshole Trump donor who was put in charge of managing the post office Uh, has forced a bunch of changes to the operations Mm -hmm. so now instead of so they've made it work less efficiently and that means that everybody's mail takes longer there's less accountability uh, it's easier for things to get lost or if they get lost they just sit at a distribution center a place that's been designated a hub for a week two weeks and obviously that has huge implications for mail In ballots. Right. It's, it's also
0: the reason that like you, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's also the reason that like when you go to the post office and people get very (laughs) annoyed because there's one person at the window and it's like, the reason that is happening is because of budget cuts. So, but it creates this downward spiral, right? Where people are Mm -hmm. like, fuck the post office. They suck. Keep cutting their budget. And it's like, all right, if you keep cutting their budget, service is only going to get worse and worse and worse. And as you pointed out, this is, extra dangerous because now we're approaching November when a lot of people are going to be trying to use mail-in voting. And that could potentially be really, really bad for the Democrats, but possibly good for Republicans because they will benefit if a lot of these uh, ballots go missing or never arrive at uh, the households of, of people of color.
1: Right. And we have two, there are already two examples of how this can play out as like a one-two punch that really fucks up the legitimacy of any results. First of all, you have what just happened in New York, where tens of thousands of ballots uh, didn't arrive until the day after they were supposed to be postmarked. And also uh, that, which meant people then had to go vote in person because their absentees couldn't, were not going to be legitimate. Or ballots that were mailed uh, on the date, but ultimately didn't get postmarked until a different time. And Cuomo, of course, was very much on the, well, we can just get rid of them because they didn't make the cut. And in close elections, that means, like, that's when you see those mail in ballots. This is the military absentee, this is anything where people are hospitalized. I mean, if you don't count the ballots that get sent in, you're disenfranchising people that never get seen. And the other thing is the Florida Senate race in 2018, where Republicans tried to say, we don't, we shouldn't have to wait until these, to count these mail-in ballots. And that included all of the military ballots that were sent in. We need to be able to announce election results on election night, uh, otherwise they're not legitimate. No reason other than the people need certainty. And put those two things together and you have the perfect storm for election night in November. Yeah. Thousands upon thousands upon millions of people desperately trying to have their voices heard who have already faced a bunch of hurdles. Because let's face it, if you can even get, if you stay registered till November, you'll be lucky. Uh
0: I know I'm actually going through this right now cause I just moved and I'm like the, the process of trying to update my address. Do you think it would not be a huge hurdle? I have already sent one letter to the board of elections. I'm about to send another one. I changed my address online and I'm still not showing up in yeah. the system.
1: Uh, yeah, that, that sounds about right. Um, Anyway, the whole thing, it's its going to be a disaster. It is very scary. And, um, oh, also, uh, Steve Mnuchin has said that he's willing to give the post office a loan. Oh, great. If they are willing to abide by all kinds of terms that they decide to set. So... Uh, and is refusing to give any of the money to the post office until uh, they agreed to it. So he's holding the post office hostage um, while Mr. Soup Brain is out here railing about TikTok and whatever the fuck he's talking about now. Which,
0: by the way, I mean, the reason I think we should be clear, the reason they want to do this is there is potentially billions of dollars at stake if they can... Fully privatize the mail system of the United States. Like I don't think people fully appreciate that it is a miracle that to today, 2020, you can mail a letter across the country using the United States Postal Service for cents on the dollar.
1: Yeah, I mean,
0: conservatives want you to have to pay FedEx like twenty, thirty dollars to do that.
1: Yeah, and uh, that is basically, I mean, at its core, a fundamental dereliction of one of the foundational values of the United States. I mean, don't underestimate the post office and its, like, critical role in making sure that we can function as a massive fucking country.
0: Well, without- something I th- I think people don't realize either is that Oftentimes, UPS and FedEx can't complete their routes and they hand off their deliveries to the United States Postal Service. Mm -hmm. And the USPS finishes the delivery because they're that fucking good at it. So it's not even as though this conservative fantasy of privatization would benefit anyone. It would actually be worse and cost way more money. And that's why we need to defend the USPS aggressively.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Uh, so speaking of soup brain, speaking of his maybe just empty threats, but I, I think we should talk about this because people were freaking out about it. So on Friday, uh, he told reporters that he will act as soon as Saturday today to ban TikTok. And of course, he's, he's claiming he wants to ban the app because there are quote unquote security threats. Um, TikTok is owned, uh, is Chinese owned, and they you know, very famously um, use personal information from the app, but so do a lot of apps, including like Facebook, right? So it's not necessarily unique, although TikTok is maybe a little more aggressive about monitoring people when they're using the app and stuff like that. So he's claiming that he's considering banning it because of security other people have speculated that, you know, there's a lot of people on TikTok who are critical of Trump, including Sarah Cooper. I think that is probably overblown. I think liberals tend to invest way too much importance in our um, comedic satirists. Like, you know, like she's funny, but is she that powerful do we think that Trump is threatened by Sarah Cooper he's certainly a narcissist and I could see him getting annoyed by any criticism but I don't know I like people are like Sarah Cooper's gonna take down the Trump administration and I'm like mm, okay let's let's all calm down
1: uh, yeah and I think that it's probably much more likely that he's just decided that this is that it's a China thing and yeah. less about his ego. Uh, it's funny to imagine that he wants to ban an app because he doesn't like that Kellyanne Conway's daughter is out here repping, you know, for resistance teens. But can we,
0: can we, though, can we give it up for Kellyanne Conway's daughter on TikTok? Because that it, is truly so funny.
1: Whether it's a grift or not, I don't care. <laughs> I am very pleased that she's out here doing stuff. I also love that a lot of kids are very into Uh, Being super weird and in some cases explaining uh, America's history of installing puppet dictatorships uh, throughout history through the CIA, uh, but to jaunty music.
0: I, you know, I respect uh, what the kids are doing on TikTok. I recognize it's not for me. I'm glad they're having a good time. I like all the little dances they do and whatnot. Um, But yeah, I just, I don't know if it's a threat to uh, our fascist regime in quite the way people are hoping it might be.
1: No. And, you know, the funny thing is is that, of course, we're all very concerned about, you know, what are the implications? Because China owns this platform that all of the kids love, but... We did have one that was made in America, uh, and it was called Vine, and we murdered it.
0: So Man, I miss, I, guys, every day I miss Vine. Yeah. Every and damn day. I
1: yeah. just think we should pour out a White Claw for <laughs> Vine.
0: One White Claw. I'll pour out the grapefruit one because I don't like it. It gives me headaches. I don't know why. Something's weird about it. Um, and then finally in the bad news section, I guess we should talk about what I've actually talked about it a lot in this show, but I wanted to talk about it again because I've been talking about federal law enforcement officers entering cities, uh, specifically Portland, but this program has now been expanded. It's Portland, Chicago, Kansas city, uh, Albuquerque, uh, and the Department of Justice plans to surge this program in predominantly black and Latino neighborhoods in Chicago, Kansas City, um, Detroit, Cle- Milwaukee. Uh, Milwaukee, Cleveland. Uh, here in New York City, a, a trans activist named Nikki Stone in a very scary video. Uh, someone captured her being basically disappeared into an unmarked police van. And thankfully, you know, she was released um, very early in the morning the same day. But it was really terrifying because it was like, you know, watching people's constitutional rights being violated openly like that is, is really terrifying. And you're sort of getting like this weak sauce response from people like Bill de Blasio, who's like, they'll never do it in New York city. And then we fucking have it on video happening here. So it's like, it is happening,
1: but it's also the thing that has been happening because those were city police officers that had nothing to do with the actual, uh, surge of federal agents into major cities this is just a thing like the warrant squad just disappears people whenever
0: Yeah, Uh, and that was a point that a lot of people made when as soon as that video of nikki went up a lot of people of color were like, y'all know they've been doing this in Harlem for decades, right? Like this, the snatch and grab. They can just grab kids off the street and disappear them, go question them without their parents, without a lawyer present. They, the NYPD has been doing this forever. Um, and that was actually a point I made on Twitter when everybody was freaking out about the federal law enforcement officers entering these cities. It's certainly bad, okay? So I just want to establish that. But what would be worse, I think, is if people were like, hey, can we get these federal law enforcement officers out and return to the, quote unquote, good old days of policing? And it's like, these are the same tactics. It might be slightly creepier because now we we can't recognize the uniform. But when we're talking about abolishing policing, we have to say we're talking about federal law enforcement officers invading cities, but also the fucking NYPD.
1: Yeah, it is the, it's the mechanisms of fascism that we've just decided are normal, that right. are, are what we need to attack, not a specific uh, city or a specific squad. Um, it's, you know, the stuff is rotten to the core. And, you know, a lot of the news that's been coming out about Nikki's arrest, where they say, oh, she was spray painting cameras and she was vandalizing property, but they... The way that they found and apprehended her was deeply creepy and suggests a kind of targeting that is completely different from, oh, we investigated this crime and decided. I mean, why did they wait until she was walking home from a protest surrounded by people to pull up with a unmarked van and a bunch of plainclothes officers and toss her in?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then finally, in the bad news section, I wanted to talk about schools reopening in the middle of a pandemic. And shockingly, you guys, uh, the schools that have opened so far are seeing a a surge in COVID cases. And there's a lot of fear that kids who might be asymptomatic can pass on the virus to their teachers who are adults, potentially killing them. Oh,
1: or, given that the only people who will you know, be forced to completely submit to whatever this new plan will be are people who probably have to be working, we don't know where those kids are going home to, how many people they live with, or how many people might be at risk when they get home. So it's not just that they could infect their teachers, they could infect their caregivers and their right. families.
0: It has been wild watching conservatives do uh, mental jujitsu to rationalize what's happening. Like the fact that Trump said he doesn't think Herman Cain caught coronavirus at his Tulsa rally, which here's the thing, timeline wise, he's probably right. Probably what happened was Herman Cain had coronavirus, went to the Tulsa rally, spread it to who knows how many people, because he refused to wear a mask. Um, And then two weeks after that, got very, very ill, had to go to the hospital. He had other underlying medical issues. He had cancer. So the coronavirus was a contributing factor. It probably was not the only thing that killed him. But the fact that conservatives are still trying to justify like, Herman Cain aside, there was a definitive spike of coronavirus cases after that fucking stupid Tulsa rally. People absolutely spread it there, including to a bunch of Trump staffers and Secret Service agents. We know this. It's a fact. And they're still like, I don't know if masks help. Uh, the the scary thing is uh,
1: there was a the summer camp in Georgia where there were something like 700 people there. And... Sp- Hundreds of them have been, you know, are now infected. Uh, What little has happened in terms of getting kids into spaces to try and create some sense of normalcy, it immediately spreads the virus like wildfire. And given how badly we've been handling the pandemic and the virus in general, this is 100 percent going to happen everywhere.
0: I know. Man. I'm really, I'm really, really scared about this. Like just watching the, the plans of, oh, we'll regulate the flow of the kids as they walk down the hallway. It's like, man, you so clearly haven't consulted with real teachers because every teacher I know is like, this is a fucking joke. If you think we can control the flow of children as they walk down a hallway.
1: Well, and why send them back if they're going to get substandard? support and education, and also still be on their own for part-time. I mean, most schools are saying they're only going to have kids come back a couple of days a week. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't solve the problems for parents that need to figure out how to take care of their kids while they're working. It doesn't solve the fact that kids are struggling to actually meet whatever arbitrary benchmarks. But honestly, like they just aren't learning stuff, and that is supposedly what school is about. Although yeah. we now know that school is just a way to force teachers to be babysitters. And that's <laughs> why we're doing this. But, uh, you know, yeah, well, is- that's,
0: that's been interesting to watch. Right. Cause I feel like so many conservatives have almost hit on a truth where they've been like, well, we have to send kids back to school because, um, so many kids have no other way of, of being watched or receiving meals every day. And it's like, Okay, you almost made a good point about poverty, but you didn't quite land the point. Um, And there's been a a bunch of instances like that where they've you know, they've been like, well, we can't keep giving the six hundred dollar additional unemployment checks because then people won't want to work because they're making more money because wages are so low. And it's like, wow, you almost made a good point again that we need to raise wages, but you didn't quite get there. Well,
1: given that Republicans basically want everybody to go back to being slaves, it's not that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that that is the goal, right? (laughs)
1: Yeah. Is that, you know, we have people who are doing this work uh, because it's the only way they will not die. But uh, they have no actual resources.
0: Right. Uh, Guys, that's enough of the bad. Let's end things on a good note. Here's your good news. (music) All right, when I go into this first good news story, you're gonna be like, did Allison put a story about pedophilia in the good news section? And it's gonna seem weird, and you're gonna be like, uh-oh. But I promise you, it is, I think, potentially good news. Um, so, Elaine Maxwell famously uh, is in custody right now. Uh, newly unsealed documents have been released by a judge to the public. In which uh, we now have uh, accusations from uh, Jeffrey Epstein victims, including Virginia Guffrey, specific accusations about Prince Andrew, um, but also Bill Clinton, um, Alan Dershowitz, which I don't know why that one particularly delights me. Probably just because he's such a fucking asshole and also is a lawyer and worked to um, bully and silence and intimidate a lot of Jeffrey Epstein's victims. So it's like particularly um, gratifying that he is specifically named in these accusations as well. So I'm putting it in the good news section.
1: I, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. He isn't a terrible person. Mm. Uh, I was particularly amused/slash horrified by his attempt to uh, discredit one of the sets of allegations again, you know, about him by saying, "No, no, no, that was a family trip I took to Padophile Island."
0: Guys, everybody, calm down. My daughter was there too. Okay, so now who looks creepy? <laughs> everyone was like what
1: (laughs) yeah um I mean something that I will say is, is very funny and and upsetting and it's you know is that a friend of mine grew up in the U.S. Virgin Islands and has said that for years and years and years if you were taking a boat from one island to another people locals would just point out and say, "Oh yeah, 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 that there's the pedophile island."
0: I know. That that to me is one of the most disturbing aspects of the story. Did you see the Netflix documentary? Yeah. Yeah, it is very clear that if most of the police weren't working for Epstein, they at least knew full full well what was going on and just sort of like tolerated it for a really long time.
1: Yeah. Well, it turns out that if you're running a massive blackmail organization and you present yourself as a super wealthy individual, uh, you can get away with a lot.
0: Well, watching it, I was like, I wonder how many of these cops he has on video raping underage girls.
1: Yeah, Um, it's there's going to be. It's going to be a very strange trial. Yeah. Um, it also makes me miss old school gawker which definitely <gasps> many many uh stories about the lolita express the private plane yeah and uh that yeah i mean i know
0: that really breaks my heart because you know gawker would just be thriving right now
1: oh absolutely and uh this is yeah it would be it would be killing it although luckily we do still have original we have, good, good people that are doing reporting out into the world, but yes, it would be nice.
0: Yeah. I still check Jezebel every day. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So also in the good news section, guys, this is just going to be an ongoing story in the good news section. Um, The uh, spiraling decline of Ellen DeGeneres. I'm loving watching this happening in real time. So BuzzFeed News came out with this report revealing that racism, microaggressions, and other wildly toxic behavior ran rampant on the Ellen DeGeneres show. Um, So, yeah, I mean, basically, everybody's been talking about forever that Ellen DeGeneres is a monster. She's really abusive to her employees, um, and she's fostered this really toxic environment. But... I feel like those stories would sort of pop up and then go away, but it seems like this time it's sticking.
1: Yeah, and I think that it was going to happen eventually because there was just so much information and so many stories coming out. And uh, she's been so wildly toned up during the pandemic and the way that she's treated her staff. I think the fact that a bunch of people suddenly didn't have paychecks and she found a bunch of non like scabs to help do the pandemic. Yep. Uh, certainly did not endear her to any of the people that she expected loyalty from.
0: Yeah, for sure. And i again, it feels like something that could only be happening in 2020 Because, again, this this is not new. We've known this about the culture of the Ellen DeGeneres show. It was like an open, open secret that she is a, a monster to her employees. Like people would always talk about it. But I feel like just our culture has changed so much that suddenly it matters. Suddenly people were like, oh, that's not acceptable behavior.
1: Yeah. Well, and and the stories about other executives and high level employees, they're being abusive and harassing and another fucking guy with a door that you can shut with a button. Like, come on. Yeah,
0: I know. Well, that's the thing. Like, I I feel like we had the Me Too moment where I mean, I don't want to say moment. It's still happening. but there was this hyper fixation on like powerful men who, yeah, have like buttons installed on their desks so they can like molest their female employees. Um, but then it sort of like branched out where it's like, okay, so let's just talk about racism as well, because that is everywhere in this industry. And then also specifically like Ellen coasted for so long because she was like midwestern soccer mom's first gay friend you know so it was like Ellen can't be problematic she's gay and it was like no she fully is problematic
1: well and also the type of of attitude that she fostered had nothing to do with actually being interested in helping people I mean she was so in a way there was a like She's acting like a very rich gay guy in the 80s. But, <laughs> yeah. like, because we've never, like, we didn't know any lesbians before, as like a culture before Ellen came out, it was like Hart and Melissa Atheridge, and then Rosie O'Donnell.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: you, people just gave a pass and said, okay, yeah, you know, this is fine. And then you realize, oh no, the acceptance was all that mattered. And so now that they have, now that she's got hers, everyone else needs to bow before.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. I I feel like for a lot of people who maybe weren't, you know, keyed into the gossip surrounding Ellen, for them the moment where she was sitting next to George W. Bush and like yucking it up was sort of like that meme of Spider-Man pointing at himself where people were like, oh, that's who Ellen is. Ellen is like rubbing elbows with terrible, powerful white men because she's that rank. You know, she too is powerful. She too abuses her employees. She too, you know, like she, she's incredibly powerful and privileged and abusive.
1: Yeah. I enjoyed, and I have no idea why this was a thing I had to click on when I was gazing at people.com this morning. Uh, apparently Brad Garrett from everybody loves Raymond. Made some statement publicly about how everybody's always known how terrible she was. Oh, shut up, really. <laughs> then, but this is wasn't even the story about this. It was Leah Thompson weighs in on Brad Garrett allegations, and she's oh. like, "Yep, she's she's like true story." Whoa. And so now you have, I was like, great. So the guy, you know, the brother from Everybody Loves Raymond and Caroline in the City are out here talking shit about Alan. <laughs>
0: I do have a little bit of an issue, though, where, like, that's great, but, like, fucking say something when it matters, you know? Like, a lot of people come out afterwards, and they're like, yeah, everybody knew about shit like that. Like, everybody did that with Louis C.K., too, you know? Where everybody was like, yeah, that was, like, an open secret. Like, if you were a female comic, don't be alone with Louis in the green room. He'll whip his dick out, you know? Um, But, like, I wish people with power and a platform – because, like, I talk about that shit on – my show but like i have a little podcast like you know i don't have a a a hugely prominent platform if you're a famous actor and you know ellen degeneres is being abusive to her employees fucking say something don't wait for it to come out and, and like for the tide to fully turn and then you're like oh it's safe now i guess i'll criticize ellen
1: oh absolutely and i think that you know clearly that should always be pointed out when someone does this Uh, But on the small schadenfreude level, it is pretty nice. And I I hope that we do James Corden next.
0: Oh, God. When is that going to happen?
1: I don't know. But yeah, I
0: just Uh, like the thing is, it's always inevitable, right? Like it will happen eventually, but it's always interesting. Like, what is it going to take? Because it's interesting that Ellen's going to go down before him, you know?
1: Mm hmm. Absolutely, but see, he's uh, he's got a British accent,
0: so oh, right. I forgot, and that automatically makes him funny and clever. Duh. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I'm so yeah. sorry, you guys. Because, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah,
0: carpool karaoke is he's good. Right. I forgot. I forgot. Right, right. <laughs> um. So also, I wanted to put in the good news section. Uh, the fact that, and there's been a lot of reports about this, and also just to like shout out the uh, the goodness of people in general. Um, A lot of medical workers, physicians across the country have gotten really, really, really good at treating COVID patients. And I think it's something that we don't talk about enough. And I think it's impressive because the medical information in the community spread really fast because a lot of doctors, physicians, nurses set aside any sort of like weird ego competition between hospitals and started rapidly sharing information in a way that probably saved millions of people. Uh, And that was them figuring out really fast that they had to roll patients onto their stomachs. They figured out um, antiviral drugs to to use uh, in a way that really, really helped people. And as bad as everything is in the United States right now, because we've had a total government failure and it's really bad. You guys, like I saw an estimate today that said, you know, between 200,000 and 300,000 people could die. Like it's, it's bad. It's catastrophic. Anything good coming out of it, like the people we're saving is because of the medical community and them just learning on the fly like this and sharing information and they're fucking heroes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And anyone who wants to talk shit about doctors and medical professionals and uh, the people actually doing this work uh, can fuck all the way off. And I hope that they, well, learn a lesson at some yes. point.
0: Yes. They, I appreciate for legal reasons you rolling back whatever your first thought was.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. That's
0: probably smart. Uh, And then finally, I wanted to close with this because somebody wrote into my Patreon saying uh, I close every show by saying, usually I say go outside and cause a little trouble. But lately, I've amended it to stay inside and cause a little trouble. And they were like, you should uh, alter your sign off for John Lewis and say uh, cause a little good trouble, which I did do. Person who wrote in. Uh, we d- we re- recorded an episode right after John Lewis died, in which I did close the show that way. But I appreciate the sentiment, and also I wanted to read a little excerpt of um, what the New York Times published on July 30th, the day of John Lewis's funeral, which is a letter written by John Lewis, who again You're so br- so brilliant because he knew the second he died everybody would try to interpret his legacy and he was like i'm going to write down exactly what i want you to say my final words were um, brilliant so he wrote um well my time here has come to an end i know i want you to know that in the last days and hours of my life you inspired me you filled me with hope about the next chapter of the great american story when you used your power to make a difference in our society. Democracy is not a state. It is an act and each generation must do its part to help build what we call the beloved community, a nation and world society at peace with itself. Ordinary people with extraordinary vision can redeem the soul of America by getting in what I call good trouble, necessary trouble. Though I may not be here with you, I urge you to answer the highest calling of your heart and stand up for what you truly believe. In my life, I have done all I can do to demonstrate that the way of peace, the way of love and nonviolence is the more excellent way. Now it is your turn to let freedom ring. Uh, And I thought that was really beautiful and I wanted to read it. And again, so smart to just write it down and hand it to the New York Times and be like, publish this. Publishes before the fucking conservatives come in and try to say that I wouldn't support the protesters or whatever bullshit they're going to say.
1: Well, you know, this is, uh, this is the work of a man who understood what was happening and lived with purpose for his entire life and tried to do his best to just leave the mortal coil with a certain amount of, of grace and appreciation and, Uh, And, yeah, it also happens to be a nice little fuck you to anyone that wants to try and uh, deify him without actually looking at the difficult choices that he made uh, to try and make the world more just.
0: I have to say, too, and, like, again, I criticize former President Obama a lot on my various shows throughout the years, especially during his administration – disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. his John Lewis eulogy was fire.
1: Oh absolutely it was it was incredible. Um, there we can be mad about many many things. I think you probably saw the onion article Barack Obama storms off Michelle Obama's podcast after she asked him about drone strikes.
0: <laughs> I had not, but that's so good.
1: Uh, we can we can get on his case for a lot of things very legitimately. He is a massively powerful orator and was uniquely positioned to give uh, the eulogy for John Lewis.
0: Yeah. And I'm glad he was pissed during it where he was like, we need a John Lewis Voting Rights Act because the fucking Supreme Court dismantled the Voting Rights Act. We we need to talk about this. And he said in the eulogy, he's like, listen, I know some people don't want me to talk about police violence right now. I'm going to talk about police violence right now.
1: Yep. I will. I will do this. And especially when you compare it to Bill Clinton taking shots at Stokely Carmichael,
0: uh, I would be perfectly fine if I never heard that man say anything ever again.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, it was a night and day contrast, but also, yeah, Obama was, was fantastic. And I'm very glad that he decided to go hard during his, his remarks.
0: Uh, I want to start a petition that anytime anyone is thinking of inviting Bill Clinton to speak at an event, they invite Monica Lewinsky instead. I would take that. (laughs) That's my petition. Somebody put it up on change.org and I will be the first signature guys. That's our show. Please follow Meredith on Twitter at Meredith L. Clark. Go follow Rosie on Instagram. You will not regret your decision. Um, Anything you want to plug? Uh, not right now.
1: I am, uh, not doing a whole lot at the moment. Yay. So
0: (laughs) you're, you're plugging, um, not doing anything during quarantine, which I support. Yeah. In fact is goals guys, please go to lighttreason.news and smash that donate button. If you like the show, if you want to support us, Uh, We don't have commercials. You didn't hear one commercial during the show because I am 100% listener supported. You can also go to patreon.com slash Kilkenny to hear those bonus episodes. Uh, All my supporters over there get access to them. Any support is highly appreciated. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the places. Guys, thanks so much for listening. And while you're at it, stay inside and cause a little good trouble.